In this episode of The Wheelhouse, we begin our roundtable discussion of accomplishment-driven leadership. The next episode of The Wheelhouse begins right now. Welcome to episode one of this season of The Wheelhouse. I'm really, really excited to welcome uh, to this podcast, uh, as I mentioned in the opening, two of my favorite to my favorite educators. Uh, Penny Brockway and Catherine Money have been education leaders, teachers uh, for several decades, and uh, they have joined me on this journey to become accomplishment-driven leaders, and I'm really, really excited to, uh, to invite them, to welcome them to the wheelhouse where we will spend this season focusing on the paradigm shifts that we need to make to become accomplishment-driven leaders. As we set up for that particular journey, we're going to begin today talking about um, just this theoretical construct, again, of what is accomplishment-driven leaders. And as we prepare to do that, as we prepare to welcome Catherine and Penny to, to, the, to the wheelhouse in, in just a few moments, I want to remind us of what accomplishment-driven leadership really is. If you haven't had a chance to join us in season three, where we really can tore it apart, uh, I'm just going to remind you of that definition uh, of accomplishment-driven leaders as we get ready to explore with Kathy and Penny. Accomplishment-driven leaders understand how to steer a district building our classroom closer to its strategic vision. They embrace the responsibility of expecting and ensuring adult capacity building in all professional areas aligned to student need, student learning, growth, and the desired destination itself. They understand and value the complexity of the learning journey, not only for themselves, but for those in their charge, as they appreciate its impact on their ability to prove to each student that they are distinctive and irreplaceable. Accomplishment-driven leaders use five arenas uh, of, of leadership, and those are captainship, poise, guidance, contemplation, and realization. And we explore those in great detail in season three, and we will, of course, be talking about them and adding that to the discussion as we think about paradigm shifts in season four. The arenas of accomplishment-driven leadership are a powerful set of competencies that accomplishment-driven leaders need to nurture and grow those within their charge and steer them collectively to the desired destination. Accomplishment-driven leaders use these arenas, captainship, poise, guidance, contemplation, and realization, as they navigate a path forward that will take courage and leadership, the likes of which we probably haven't seen before at the levels of expertise we need to get us there. Accomplishment-driven leaders understand how adults learn and grow. They utilize the leader's compass, the metacognitive growth model, for building capacity in themselves and in others. So welcome to the wheelhouse, Kathy and Penny. I am so excited that we are going to be doing this season of the wheelhouse together. I'm 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 pumped. Me too. Thrilled to be here with two amazing people. I know. Absolutely. Not only are we amazing, but we're good friends too. I'm sorry, Penny. I cut you off. No, I was just going to say the same thing. Like great friends and what a reunion and what an awesome conversation. Yes. So today we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about 
um, accomplishment-driven leadership from a theoretical perspective as we think about you know, kind of where we're headed in the up in the, in the season to talk about um, the the paradigm shifts that we've identified. So you know, everybody it seems like everywhere you look today, everybody is searching for you know ways to get us back to normal ways to, you know, it's like, we want to like eliminate or, or we want to forget that this pandemic ever happened. And we want to jump from 20, 2020 to 2023 and forget all that stuff in between. And yet we've literally learned a lot and the world has changed and, and, you know, you can never go back, right. Can never go back. How do you think ADL changes the game for us? I think about the fact um, of coming through the pandemic as a district leader and recognizing how impersonal everything felt and how hard we had to work to um, connect humanly with each other and to stay connected. And it was so strange to us, so foreign to most of us in the world of education to work that way, um, whether that was remotely or just in and out and in and out and in and out. And um, when I think about ADL, I think it's exactly the opposite. Um, had we had this in place, the connectedness and the relationships that are built between an accomplishment-driven leader and those they are leading would have been so much more profound and we probably would have managed it differently. So I think about forward movement and the fact that this will carry us through hard times in a much more significant way. I think um, that piece that you just said, Penny, around that humanness, you know, really thinking about this isolation of being in a remote setting, like many of us were catapulted into um, and not knowing how to function within that and really trying to figure out how do I navigate this space and essentially in isolation and knowing that this back to normal doesn't allow for us to, to take on what we've, what we've learned, just like, you know, Grant had mentioned. So when we've learned how to navigate these spaces in this humanness, in this accomplishment-driven leadership role, um, why would we go back? You know, what it what is it that normal is? Um, in air quotes, because it doesn't doesn't quite make sense um, to unlearn what we've learned. So, how do we connect with people in a way that it is meaningful and allows us to? because it's less, right? We're, we're not with them as often. So then when we are, whether that's in a virtual space or it's in face-to-face, it's really about how do we deepen those connections and what that looks like. And I think that that's what ADL gives us is that understanding and desire to connect at a deeper level. Do you think we realized before the pandemic how human we really needed to be in education it seems like this this idea of relationships and the need for relationships and and the need for connecting you know educator to educator educator to leader you know educator to student um seems to have we seem to have made it bigger than what we probably gave it 
before the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like we've realized, and I'm thinking out loud, so I'm being really hesitant because I'm like, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, I'm not sure that maybe all of us, you know, the millions of educators in the world really understood how incredibly human this work really is. Do you think that was a surprise for us? I think that's a yes. Um, I think our metrics were wrong. We're measuring ourselves based on, you know, end of schooling, whatever that means for a kindergartner or a 12th grader or a college student, end of schooling uh, scores on, um, yeah, standards that matter for what we should know um, and be able to accomplish as adults. But that, that was our focus instead of that being the outcome of a focus on growing a human being, right? And whether we're talking about kids or adults, um, I, I think our metrics were wrong and they were inhuman, inhumane in the way. And then we went after them in ways and we still do. Um, so we have to check ourselves all the time. How are we going after those outcomes? What really matters on the inside of that? I think you're right, Grant. I think that we had an a desire to in a I mean a thought that um that we did know and that we did understand. I think the three of us are so driven by um what's best for each and every child that we we thought we knew. I speak for like I thought I knew. And then when you're in this space of um especially in a leadership role where you've got to make these decisions about, you know, in and out of this safe space, this brick and mortar space for kids and realizing just the stress and the dynamics that families were involved with in in losing loved ones, you know, due to the pandemic. And yet our responsibility is to ensure that they have this highest quality education and we see you and we don't see you. And what does that look like? And it really just highlighted the inequities in each of our families. So I think it just, it put us in their space where we weren't before. And it, we we thought we knew they're showing up to school, they're showing up in that brick and mortar space. And we think we now understand what's going on at home. And then this just really just put a spotlight on um, so much brokenness and so many things, even in and what you would say, you know, that that traditional kind of normal, again, in air quotes, family, the dynamics were extreme in trying to to understand the humanness. And then that those outcomes didn't change and they still haven't. The metrics still haven't changed. We're still responsible for those. But now you've got all this other stuff, this trauma um, from living through this and continuing to live through it and it it just it has changed the game. I don't want to go back personally to whatever that normal was. You know, there there are significant lessons that we we can't unlearn, and shame on us, I guess, if we try to unlearn them. It makes me think about some of those words in the definition, and um, you know, most of my words as a leader centered around learning and teaching. Yeah, let's look at that definition for a minute. I'm going to read it, and then Penny, you you grab those words that you think you know yeah. as people are listening that you think are really important. Accomplishment-driven leaders understand how to steer a district, building, or classroom closer to its strategic vision. 
They embrace the responsibility of expecting and ensuring adult capacity building in all professional areas aligned to student need, student learning growth, and the desired destination itself. They understand and value the complexity of the learning journey, not only for themselves, but for those in their charge as they appreciate its impact on their ability to prove to each student that they are distinctive and irreplaceable. Boy, who wrote that? That's loaded. But, you know, so so people have now heard that definition, you know, which is a new definition, by the way, as this work evolves, that is a 2023 version of, of accomplishment-driven leadership and its definition. What are those words that you're referring to, Penny, that really jumped out at you? Yeah, you go from words like teach, learn, you know, as a leader, feedback, to steer, navigate, grow, nurture. You know, words are so powerful and it only takes a couple to change the game completely. And I think those words change the game. To be a leader who helps another navigate helps steer a direct toward a direction, right? Um, and our focus is on growing and nurturing versus teaching and learning. To me, that shifts the mental models huge um, it, it internally for me. Um, and then I believe to be true, it will shift the mental models for organizations. How would you describe the shift when you when you say that, what's the shift? I think it's wrapping up and where it came, when it came to me was as Kathy was describing this, not going back to normal, right? That it was more mechanical. um, And maybe this is more about who I am as a person and my shift than anything else, but it was more mechanical. It was um, maybe a job to go do, right? Yes, for a love of children, of course, but losing the essence of nurturing and growing each individual child as compares as compared to getting the outcomes of that um that metric that someone in this world your state or your or your nation put before you or maybe just your school board put before you right um it's a it's a huge shift to a focus on the human beings that we are serving whether that be the adults in the organization who work for us, um, with us and beside us, or the children, ultimately, it's always the children. I was thinking as I was reading through this again and again, is that passive nature. So you could almost connect that with mechanic, right? It's mm-hmm. um, especially because you and I have, you know, have been in education for a couple decades now and um, it becomes just really second nature. So as a leader, you think that you know and understand how to um, how to support um, those that you are in charge of, and it really becomes this very mechanic or passive role versus being really entrenched in a partner in the work and what that means. And they're more, to me, these words are more active rather than passive. And mm-hmm. as I um, was re-listening to the the podcast from the pre- previous season, that's what kept coming to me was really this um, kind of remote feeling of like, I can just do this. I get up, I go to work, I do my job, I go home, I continue on and just repeat, repeat, repeat. Instead of really taking the time to know and understand the humans in which we are entrusted with, 
to be able to truly be that partner, to be able to to steer, to to really navigate um, and grow along with them. It's not like I'm doing it to you. I'm doing it with you. And you're doing it for your own growth as well as theirs. Yep. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. And you, and you talk about some really interesting, you know, all, both of you, as I'm listening to you, I was like, okay, so, you know, this whole idea of this huge paradigm shift, which I know we're going to get to, right. But it's this, you know, it's this huge change and in, in, in shift away from observation and feedback, right. Uh, to steering and expecting and and doing what you need to do for adult capacity building, which is so very different than than um, you know that that rote uh, process that we've all ingrained in, which is you know go somewhere, watch, and provide immediate feedback. Not that that's not important; it is, but. You know, again, we're, we'll we'll talk about paradigm shifts um, later, and then, of course, you know that the 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 mechanics of being um, you know on autopilot, I think, are are really interesting. As I was listening to, it, and I was also, and I was really thinking about as you guys were talking about that, I was thinking about um, you know the arenas of accomplishment driven leadership, which I, I think are so incredibly powerful: captainship, poise guidance, contemplation, and realization. And I know we've we've talked about them in a previous season. We'll talk about them more as we continue in is thinking about paradigm shifts. But you know, that second part of our definition, you know, the arenas of of ADL are a, a powerful set of competencies that a, that accomplishment-driven leaders need to nurture and grow those within their charge and steer them collectively to the desired destination. This is so like not rote, right? It's so not automatic pilot, not mechanical. What, uh, when you hear that, when you hear that second part of that definition and we think about what we've talked about so far, how do, how do you, how does that continue that, that thought that you had? It's so individualized for each leader, for each captain, right? And every adult that they're working with, that they're working and steering and navigating to grow these um, arenas, it is so individualized. It made me think about my my favorite relaxation, right, is to be in my kitchen. And um, the fact that once you have the basics down to how to make something right, I don't know, I'm going to make some scones this week. I can make it any flavor I want and I can direct that, right? And I can try some different things and it's very individualized to each person. So when I think about that, you take these five arenas and when you start to grow those, the it adjusts for each person what they need and where they need it and when they need it um, and being able to navigate that with them. Um, it does take a lot of courage. It's a lot of uncovering self um, and and discovering who you are and who you've been, whether that's good or bad or really truly indifferent because it's all about growing forward. Um, but it takes recognition of that and, and helping people um, be willing to go there. Um, so it takes courage on everybody's behalf. Do you think people are going to um, that they're in a space that they're going to be more willing to go there again, going back to this last couple of years um, and really showing this, this deep sense of vulnerability um, for each one of us. 
are we willing as educational leaders, regardless of what our role is within the within the district, are we willing to remain that vulnerable? Are we willing, or is that part of that going back to normal? I want to go back and I want I don't want people to see me. I don't want people to see who I really am. And in this regard, specifically what those those pieces to really uncover, um, because you, you do have to have some dramatic self growth in this entire process. I mean, that's that's the shift, you know, and I, I know you said we're going to talk about these paradigm shifts, but it's hard not to talk about them in the midst of this conversation, um, because you 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 do have to change. You have to really take that that look inward and and maybe that's it maybe that's why people so desperately want to go back to normal because they don't they don't want to it's hard it's not that they don't want to it's just maybe that um it's just it's difficult and it's just easier if we just go back to normal yeah i would agree kathy except when i think about particularly i see it at the two ends of the district that i currently work in the littles and the biggest ones, <laughs> kid-wise, they're different. Mm-hmm. And we don't have the capacity right currently to figure out how to serve them in this difference that they're bringing mm-hmm. to the table. And so I know that the leaders I'm privileged to work with now, they want to do something and so what is that something and um, how do they do something different? Because, you know, if you take those old metrics and still continue to use them because they're there and we don't have a choice, right? Um, nothing's moving. Yeah, and they see kids in more broken states than they have seen them before. Mm-hmm. And they still come to work with the heart of wanting to do, do well by them. But how? And so maybe that's the propelling piece. So I was meeting with a group of of educators uh, several months ago, and we were talking about, and they were they were folks from all over, um, all over a particular state, and they were talking about the the needs that they saw in in districts, and and they were and they were and at the end of the day, no matter where they were from, <laughs> they were talking about the fact that you know, um, educators as a whole, educators are just. So super stressed and kids are super stressed and it seems to have paralyzed everyone right that we are we are stuck in this level of stress that makes it really difficult for uh, both educators and students to think about what they need to do in their role whether their role is a principal whether their role is a teacher whether their role is is a student and i was thinking about that penny when you were talking about making scones <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, okay, so you know, I, I can picture you in your kitchen working your magic, but you were talking about the individualness of, hey, there's a few basics, and then, you know, then I'm gonna I'm gonna use all of those in in unique ways to to make to do unique things. And I was thinking, you know, that whole concept is, you know, if I'm if I'm an educator, super stressed, or I'm a kid, super stressed, and you know, trying to do this and and paralyzed at the same time because I can't. I'm not dealing well with the 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 stress that I'm in, you know. I'm thinking, wow, that individual human touch would be exactly <laughs> what I need to move me out of that paralysis and to help me think about perhaps that vulnerability, Kathy, that you were talking about, right? To 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 be able to to move us forward, you know, because 
the end of the day, you know, the, the calendar, the clock never goes backwards. So we only have one choice, and that is to forge ahead into into whatever the future is. So that was that's what I was thinking about is you both were talking about um your reaction to to that particular piece. Perhaps, you know, this is the this is the um level that we have never seen before at the at the level of expertise that we need because we really need accomplishment-driven leaders to tap into where we are and to help move us forward. And that's on an individual basis. So uh, thoughts to that? Am I on the right track? I say spot on the right track, right? It's exactly it. And it's deep. And I think that's where the courage comes in, the depth of the work that you do. You know, sometimes there's a lot to do. And of course, there's a lot to do here. But the depth at which you have to internalize it and understand it to be able to individualize it. I think that's huge. I think that's the huge piece that sometimes can scare people away. And I've experienced that with some leaders who going down this, this road um, is such a huge lift and challenge and an internal focus first that um, that can be scary. And we have to remember that fear is powerful. You know, and I, I think about the, you know, you you you've both said it multiple times during this conversation that this is both an inward journey, and mm-hmm. it is one in which we guide and nurture other people. And of course, that the third definite that third part of the definition of an accomplishment driven leader has to do with one of the tools that we've created, which is the the leader's compass. And it is, a, you know, the it's a metacognitive growth model. Right, starting with thinking about what our mental models are, and you know, identifying where our current capacity is, and there's a process to help us uh, think about what we need to learn and to do and to grow, and how we come out differently on the other end when we when we utilize this leader's compass on a, on, a, on a regular basis, not only to build capacity in ourselves but but in others. Um, I think that is. That's the to me. That's the power of of the work. Is that this is this isn't a deficit model. This isn't a hey. Let's look for areas where you know where we're you know we're not good at or someone doesn't have a particular skill. This is about growing people, right? This is about growing ourselves and growing other people. And you know, both of you have utilized in your work both internally and externally to others, the leader's compass. Any thoughts about how important that tool is to to this definition? I don't think you can, I don't think you can, my opinion, right? You can't be accomplishment-driven, an accomplishment-driven leader, not focusing on the arenas and, and not utilizing something like the leader's compass. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that it's, um, again, this shift in in how we how we lead and how we help others navigate. And again, that's kind of going back to that vulnerability. And so when you think about that metacognitive growth model, it really is about uncovering each and every person and really surfacing. I mean, that key piece of, well, I guess they're all key pieces, but really being able to surface and identify each person's strengths 
And I'm, I'm glad you highlighted that it's, you know, it's a strength model. It's not a deficit model. And what is it that, that we're really trying to uncover and support, you know, alongside. So not, not doing that ourselves, not going in for that quick observation and providing that feedback to say, here's what I think, but really helping coach um, in a powerful way others that we are, you know, have the privilege to lead to be able to really surface what what it is, where it is, what area um, to really dig into and to grow. And that then that reflection piece and really thinking about our traditional model of um, support and feedback and evaluation, how that doesn't allow for that true surfacing, um, the reflection piece and really wanting adults and children to be able to see for themselves. I mean, that's that's really bringing it to light on what am I really good at and what am I just really close to? And what's that next best step for me and how do I continue to grow and prosper so then those that I'm responsible for can do the same? I love, Kathy, the way you frame it as we doing this together, right? It's a it's a together model. Um, even the way the words are laid around the and, right? You surface and identify. I can surface by myself, but sometime truly putting words to it and identifying what that is because I'm often lost in my own stuff, right? And so what is that that I'm identifying? Those conversations with your partner, and I go back to the power of the partnerships, right? And those conversations that help to really identify what it is you're surfacing and be able to name it, you know, reflect and prioritize. Woo. I'm often in my surfacing and reflecting my priority comes out of my emotion. And sometimes that's not the best place to be as a leader. So how do I then prioritize with a partner who can also, who knows me well enough now to be able. And so as you talk about the the partnership, the connectedness with another in this process. I think it's huge. You go on to learn and plan and we learn a lot. And that's so individualized at the same time, the planning that comes from that is so partnership work of, of the how and, um, you know, you keep act and adjust. I'll just finish them. Um, we act and then we figure out what does that look like? How do we adjust that? Um, and th that's all teamwork, right? Establish and recognize. And um, I think that each of those demands that partnership as well as that internal perspective. Um, so yeah, a leader's compass and maybe the leaders is my compass as a leader, but our compass as leaders that we have to use um, in this partnership to guide this work and deepen it. You know, again, as I'm listening to it, I'm, I'm, I'm making a list in my head of, oh my gosh, I, I could identify three or four more paradigm shifts. <laughs> that, that we, season four may go on forever because there so I was going to say just, it's going to be a long season, Grant. <laughs> yeah, we we originally planned for about eight episodes, but it's like, oh my gosh, because I was, you know, as I was listening to you, I was thinking about, I was thinking about what we do to people with professional learning. Oh, you ouch. Know, yeah. Ouch. I mean, we might, let's just lay it out there. Right. And I was mm -hmm. just like, what's the difference between, you know, hurting people through professional learning experiences, often at a huge cost 
both in time, energy, and money versus this utilization of, you know, our arenas and the leader's compass to, to really invest time, right, which is often the barrier, time into really helping an individual grow in ways that are significant and important. Um, that, that That's another huge, huge shift. And so when we think about you know, and I was also thinking about the, I think it was the Wallace Foundation who um, was identifying several years ago the amount of time that um, leaders need to spend engaged in, um, I can't remember the the term they used, but, you know, I would equate that to doing this kind of work. And it was a, you know, it was a significant percentage. We'll quote it later in another, in another episode, but it's like, this is the work that we should be doing as leaders, right? This is the work. Um, if we're really a, a learning organization that fosters learning for students, then, you know, we need to invest in our adults as well and we should we should be spending our time as leaders both on that internal journey and then focusing on on the growth of of each of our of each of those people that are in our charge which of course is the definition of an accomplishment driven leader i challenge our listeners to think about the fact that is there any part of the work of leading in a in an educational setting that shouldn't be part of that percentage of this right work, right? Like, is there anything you can do that doesn't somehow connect with captainship, poise, guidance, contemplation, and realization? Is there really anything? So maybe that percentage is a hundred. We'll, we'll explore that, <laughs> right? We'll explore that in, in, in one of our paradigm shift conversations later in, in this season. Any final thoughts as we prepare to wrap up this episode of The Wheelhouse? I just was going to say, I'm really excited about this conversation. Um, again, to be reconnected with the the two of you, um, to have the three of us in the same shared space to, to really have these profound conversations is just, um, it's exciting for me and my personal growth, but it's really exciting to be able to be a part of um, all of those that are listening to be able to think of different about how we are growing, not only ourselves, but um, being partners in the work with others. I fully agree. I'm really excited to uh, hear from listeners, right? Hopefully there's some feedback and uh, hear from them as they think about this and ponder this and contemplate with us, right? Um, push back on our thinking to help us grow as well. That's That's an exciting piece of this work. So Thank you, Grant, for this opportunity to do this. Absolutely. And we'll see you in our next episode. And that wraps up another episode of The Wheelhouse. New episodes of Season 4 drop every Tuesday beginning February 7th and running through March 28th. The Wheelhouse is a production of Students Matter, LLC. Our show's theme music, Off We Go, was written and performed by Cody Martin and obtained through Soundstripe.com. If you'd like to explore this topic further and take our online course on accomplishment-driven leadership, or if you have something you'd like to share or a leadership problem you'd like to see us address, drop us a line at registrar at ourstudentsmatter.org. 
You can find me on LinkedIn or Mastodon. And of course, stop by our website and check out what we offer at www.ourstudentsmatter.org. You can subscribe to this podcast on either iTunes or Spotify or any other place where you find your podcasts. It can also be found on our website uh, at Captivate. And that address is HTTPS forward slash forward slash the dash wheelhouse dot captivate dot FM slash episodes. If you like our show, please leave us a review. I'd love to hear what you like. Together, our goal is to continuously enhance and utilize our arenas of accomplishment-driven leadership, proving to each student and each teacher that they are both distinctive and irreplaceable is hard work, but being an educator is the noblest of all professions. Until next time, remember, we got this. <laughs>